0: Ho 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 ho, ho. ho, ho, ho. ho, ho, ho.
1: Uh, what is it now, Simpson? Uh, when do we get paid? Not a dime till Christmas Eve. Now from the top Ho 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 ho, ho. Um Dasher Dancer Francer mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Nixon Comet and Cupid. Donna Dixon, sit down, Simpson. And what would you like, little boy? You're not really a Santa, Tubby. Are you, little? Hey, no, 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 Homer. If such an emergency arises, you just tell them Santa's very busy this time of year, and you're one of his helpers. Oh, I do that one too. Oh, now, <laughs> I think this tree could use an angel.
2: Well, at least it's tasteful. <laughs> uh-huh. And let's go.
0: Third and goal. Fields. Throwing this side of the field. Wide open for the touchdown. Dante Pettis.
2: And a ho, ho, ho to you. This is the sports cubicle from the... We got some Christmas lights up. The basement looks festive this year, Paul. The basement of the basement looks festive this year, Paul. We finally have lights. I know. It's insane, right? It's just... It, what's that? This isn't a call-in show, is it, Paul? Oh, weird. I never noticed that phone before. Hello?
0: Hello there! Merry Christmas! Ho 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 ho
2: ho! Is this who I think it is?
0: This is Santa Claus speaking. What's your name?
2: Uh, this is Devin. This is Paul.
0: Have you been naughty or nice this year?
2: You want to answer answers untruthfully, Paul? Well, Santa, I plead the fifth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Who won the Mac trade? The Raiders? Yeah, he's on the friggin' naughty list, and I almost... Cur- We're both almost on the naughty list.
0: Oh, ho, ho, ho. fantastic! Now tell me, what do you want for Christmas?
2: We're both naughty, are we gonna really get anything? Uh, what do you want for Christmas, Paul? The Raiders or the White Sox to be above 500. You know, that's actually strangely realistic, I must say, and I really don't think I should. Um... I don't know. A manager who is over 500, I guess, is what we really want. A manager who's under 500 years old. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Baseball. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, maybe the Bears do something. Uh, you know, maybe like they, uh, you know, did something yesterday. And we could have gone to the game, Paul. Why didn't we? Tickets were $4 for the end zone. I wanted to stay warm. Yeah, you're a little you-know-what. So, uh, Santa, thank you for calling. And-
0: <laughs> okay, got it. I will see you soon. Merry Christmas and bye-bye. Ho, 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 ho,
2: ho. Is Mercado... That might have been Mercado. He's not here this week. No, he's in sunny Florida. Uh Uh-huh. That man in the white beard, though, that might have been Mercado. I think we got scammed by Mercado here. So, uh, Marvelous take it away? Myself take it away? Paul take it away? What a stunning Bears loss. Well, Marvelous, on this insanely brisk Christmas Eve, you know, the Chicago Bears managed to do something that I didn't think they could do. They held the lead all the way at least to halftime against the Buffalo Bills, a team that is predicted by many to, you know, win the Super Bowl against a quarterback that is most likely going to be the MVP here. And, of course, the first half was... Really great. You know, the Bears' first drive down was practically flawless, minus that penalty. But the second half, definitely the team kind of fell apart, and I feel like that's where a lot of the Bears' weaknesses were mostly exposed there, especially on the defense in the second half. But I want to know what you think, Marver. First off, tickets for the end zone were only $14. Why the hell do we stay at home?
0: I think we stay at home because we prefer not to get
2: pneumonia, uh, you and Paul are just weak. If Mercado were still here, me and Mike would have been down there. Then didn't have to work too, but that's a different story there. But do you think the cold weather really affected anything of either of these teams that both come from in pretty cold climates, Marver?
0: Yeah. it may have affected the passing game a little. Uh, Fields was third, 15 to 23 for 119. He only ran for 11 yards and seven tries. Montgomery did well. And you know, Jones did pretty, pretty good too. He didn't fumble and he, And he did good on the the kickoff returns, too. He averaged over 28 yards each time. But 10-6 at halftime. Second half was 29-3 Buffalo, and uh, the better team prevailed. Yeah, and I mean, that's
2: definitely what we're predicting here. And I've been saying Bears losing is not an issue to me. But this game just – it kind of felt a little bit more ugly to me, especially seeing Fields only getting 119 yards with, you know, one passing touchdown, zero interceptions, which is really good, along with no fumbles here. But, you know, the rushing game, he only had 11 yards, you know, averaging 1.6 off seven attempts, as you're just kind of saying there. And, of course, the cold weather may have been a factor to that. You really shouldn't be running that hard in the colds here. But, you know, I really don't feel like the offense was as big of an issue in this game here, you know, as much as the defense was. Because, you know, we got two interceptions off Josh Allen. and again, it was more the run defense that really seemed to stop, you know, with the Bears, you know, kind of going back, they made Devin Singletary look like the Singletary of old, getting over 106 yards, you know, averaging eight off 12 attempts here. You know, they were saying, like, that was the first game this year that Buffalo had uh, over 100 uh, rushing yards by, you know, one player. It's definitely something that you, just, you really you just, you don't want to see, and you're starting to see the weaknesses in the Bears defense because that's kind of where it's going here.
0: James Cook was right there, too, at 99 yards uh you know nine nine per attempt so the rushing defense wasn't uh wasn't there today and uh and so you know and Josh did his usual job with his receivers Diggs, knox davis all producing uh in this game so uh it, it's just you know wait wait one two more games and then uh 2023 football season we'll have to look forward to with some uh upgrades hopefully yeah, some uh, younger defensive players and maybe a younger offensive line.
2: We're, we're really pushing for that number two draft pick here. But you bring up a good point that, uh, you know, Josh Allen did have, you know, Gabe Davis, Knox, Stephon Diggs. And let's take a look. We had Jones Jr. and uh, Byron Pringle and Cole Komet. You know, we didn't have Mooney. We didn't have Claypool. And I feel like that really kind of hurt the Justin Fields taking away two of his biggest weapons here. But again, the run game on him just was kind of looking pretty weak. And that's one thing I don't like to see. And just, I wasn't expecting a win here. Coming up at halftime looking very nice. But just kind of see this team just, a team that was usually, you know, struggling at the first half and picking it up at the second half is now doing really well in the first half and then crumbling apart in the second half. To me, Marv, that just feels like we're going backwards instead of forwards.
0: Absolutely. And the and the defense was you know not outstanding and they seem to have lost a lot of their key players. They got rid of a couple and, One's hurt, Sanborn. And so, I don't know, That just looks like uh, <laughs> they're doing their best and not look like they're playing out the string. But <laughs> I hate to think they're going to lose two more and end up 3-14, and 14, but that would be good for, uh, for a draft position.
2: Yeah, I definitely think this is the season that we need to start looking ahead to the uh, NFL draft in 2023, much more than 2022. I mean, the game's been entertaining. Of course, I'm seeing in the screen right now. It's pretty sad when you look at it, as it seems like, again, the Bears did what they did best and gave Buffalo way more penalties than the Bears are able to receive. And I'm just seeing a lot of – it's just a lot of sloppy football right in here, Marver. And just – it is the secondary and this defense just are really where we struggle here. And, I mean, they're already out of the playoffs. But do you, do you even think there's a chance they could win these last two games in the season and win out? Or do you think it's just over at this
0: point? Well, I, I don't know. Minnesota, in the last week they'll be depending upon what their position is, whether they'll be all out, you know, for the game. Detroit is a winnable game, be it on the road. And It's it's just, the funny thing is, I was looking back, you know, at that Thursday Commanders game where they were completely inept at 12-7. Then they blew out the Patriots. And then they had a bunch of games other than the Cowboys that were relatively close, three-point games, except for the Jets, obviously. And so they've been in a lot of games, but this one was not the case. I mean, they lost by five last week. It's just that they they've been pretty competitive and fields has been running crazy and he wasn't able to run crazy today. And obviously it looks like they're, they're key to success, but of course there's a two edged sword with that because he exposes himself to getting hit a lot. So I wasn't too unhappy that he didn't, uh, get, uh, get exposed today. Uh, you know, to too many hits. I, I just wouldn't like to see his health be maintained throughout the rest of the year, rather than, uh, rather than almost, uh, anything else, including winning even so, it, it, you know it, it is what it is that they're uh you know they I mean, we predicted more wins than this all of us i mean we didn't think they were going to have this they had a uh, total of three and maximum of five most of us said at least six but it's uh it's it's disappointing in that regard for sure i believe i predicted four wins Marper. Yeah, thank you very okay. much you think okay, I had there faith? you go there you go But, you know, you bring a point that
2: there wasn't the run game here, and that kind of slowed Fields down because of the weather and getting hit by a team that had a really good defense. But do you think the uh, lack of Claypool and Mooney might have also played a factor into why Fields wasn't kind of playing as well? You know, only one touchdown. yeah, great zero interceptions, but, you know, 15 for 23, which isn't terrible, but just not exactly what you want from, you know, your, like, top-tier
0: quarterback. Right. When your main weapon is Pringle, I guess, and Jones, that kind of limits their necessity for – We're worrying about coverage, but uh, obviously what they wanted to do was have a a good eye on on Fields the whole time to make sure he didn't run crazy. And that's probably paid off because they were able to use some uh, linebackers and and defensive backs to do that uh, because they didn't have outstanding receiving weapons today.
2: Yeah, when you're looking at it, we got David Montgomery and Cole Komet were leading but with five receptions and four receptions here. It's like we're going back to the Jay Culler era. Come on, let the yeah. running back just run, damn it. <laughs> I'm just definitely yeah. I'm just definitely starting to see something just like this this Bills game just really exposed a lot of what the Bears here you're saying, Marbur, this team's looked very competitive here against a lot of good teams like, you know, the Dallas Cowboys, like the Eagles, you know, teams that are definitely gonna make the playoffs and could potentially win it all really here. But just this game against the Bills just really feel like we're going backwards. And I'm I'm feeling redundant because I'm saying it again here. Just yeah. I don't know. Just I'm kind of a little bit at the poor right now where I think this is it. I think we're just gonna lose out. We're gonna get that number two draft pick. And then whatever we do with it is just gonna be at the point there. Just mm-hmm. is there anything really you want to see this team do for the rest of this season, or is this just the best we're gonna get right now? We should just, you know, enjoy this while we got it.
0: We got the two divisional games left and uh the fact of the matter is, Buffalo is a very good possibility to be in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, based upon the last two weeks, if it's Buffalo and Philadelphia, it looks like Buffalo's going to win it. But <laughs> who knows? In the it, it, last two weeks, I want to be as injury-free as possible. I want to be have nice competitive games and win if possible. But you know, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> fortunately, but they, you know, there, there's a if they if they lose, then. They get a higher pick so i mean i hate, I hate to think they're going to tank exactly but uh i'd like to see uh you know some progress but i don't know what progress can be made honestly because uh the next week they'll have okay indoor weather and then they'll be back to possibly uh bad weather and uh, the final game you know at soldier field and uh, so you know it's going to be hard to really see anything next week you know they, they may they may win in detroit i think that's a good possibility Detroit's very, you know, wittable. Detroit's actually looking like a good team,
2: too, right now. It's just yeah. kind of just you know, making me really feel bad as a Bears fan. Like, man, how do we get worse than Detroit right now? But we definitely got some <laughs> progress and promise here. But, again, you bring up a good point here. Do you think if we move to Arlington Heights we can get a door, dome so we don't have to oh, yeah. worry about stuff like this ever again? Amen. <laughs> For the top you, ten oldest games of the ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, even today, the Lions are now seven and eight. They lost to the Panthers, so – I mean uh, <laughs> what can you what can you say the Lions are beatable so that might be one that we can win you, you know that's it's it's a it's a possibility it's just that uh, if you look at what they've done this year the Lions i mean they some of the common opponents that they, you know they they actually beat the Vikings in Detroit so that's you know one thing and and uh, they lost to the Bills by only 3 <laughs> so we have some comparisons there and the last game was 31-30 at Soldier Field so it's hard to say what's going to happen, but uh, uh, that gives you some of the comparison as to what's been going on of late with the Lions. So, uh, you know, Goff can uh, can play a good game. You never know. Yeah, we don't talk about that Lions game. Thank you very much.
2: Here, <laughs> I was. So that was another. Just that's the thing with the Bears. There have been just so many games that were considered winnable, and then just kind of just fell apart for this team for the most part here. But this game just it didn't feel winnable after the halftime here. I'm kind of at the point where just I'm like, you know what, let's you say, I don't want them to tank, but tanking is allowed, Marver. But I just, if they lose these next two games, I would not be happy. And then just on this final note here, Marver, I'm going to see, this is the big debate. What do you think the bears will do? Do you think they'll trade their first round draft pick
0: or will they keep it? Well, what are they going to get for it? I guess would be the question in my mind uh, to, you know, they'll, they'd get some lower draft pick in exchange and some, High-level player, but high-level player. at What position? I mean, normally it wouldn't be uh, a lineman. You might be able to get a defensive back for a, you know. It's a. I don't know what what exactly I would want to get for it, I and mean, that's something that is puzzling to me. I'd almost rather get the fresh young high high pick. To be honest with you, at this point, maybe get another high pick. <laughs> and would do you rather get multiple play. draft picks though in this yeah. this year's draft? Yeah, I think I think we need, like you're saying, we need to get young. T- the talent uh, that, that can step in and maybe play right away at the at the obvious positions on the line, maybe some defensive help too. And the even backs and linemen, I mean, it looks like they need help all over the place to me.
2: <laughs> it, all I'm saying is if Bill Belichick can trade like he's usually like, like low twenties round pick yeah. for like first round draft pick for multiple draft picks. We could trade the like number overall number two or three draft pick for way more lower ranked draft picks and start getting this young team, get a good defense, and get a good offensive line for, to protect our boy
0: Justin Fields out there. Exactly, and so that, that that I I wouldn't want to trade it at this point in time unless I could see that it would be a real upgrade in uh, in the talent. But uh, and so that's that's where I'm at. Uh, obviously, they, they they need help. You know, in, in in many phases of the game, and the, uh, and that's w- and that's what I would try to get uh, through the draft. And I think that's
2: what we need to focus on: defense, and offensive line, and maybe special teams. As we did notice, Jones did not fumble once today, and that's really good progress. Also, that really hell of a catch. I just wanted to mention because I really enjoyed watching that one there. Yeah. So marvelous. Closing thoughts on today's game.
0: Thirty-five thirteen says it all. Bills, possible Super Bowl contender. Bears, possible high draft pick contender. Uh, Wait till next year and uh, keep Fields healthy. He is the future of this franchise, without question. Wait till next year. That's the Cub fan
2: you talk. And, of course, the Bears have the unlucky 13, falling 35-13 to to the Buffalo Bills. And I got to agree with you, Marver. There's always next year, right? (laughs) Just wait
0: till (laughs) next year. Oh, yeah. Next year, they get to play the... uh, the the AFC West again, good. Chargers, oh, good. Chargers, uh, Chiefs, uh, you know, et cetera. So that's and Raiders that will help. <laughs> yeah, the Raiders with the way we're going, that might be another easy win for next year. Yeah, and the Broncos, so and and then they're and then and then the uh, crossover in there uh, is the South, New Orleans, Tampa. So that division sucks, Carolina, Atlanta. So that's that, Those are the crossovers next year: NFC South and uh, AFC West. So. It might, not be, it might give him some opportunities. We'll see what happens.
2: <laughs> I'm with you now.
0: Definitely wait until next year. It sounds like there's promise
2: there. Right. It's the Sports Cubicle on WCPC with the marvelous one, Dan Marver, Paul Girardi, myself, Devin King, Devin Tingle, and Mike Mercado, who me and Paul secretly think is Santa Claus, because why else isn't he here this weekend? Mm-hmm. We got more coming up. Palacious one, you were taken away and forced to eat pie. How the hell do I get out of here and do that? Uh, well, I don't know. I, you were stuck working at the
1: station, and this year somehow I was able to free myself from the uh, the, the chains of, of WCPT.
2: All I know is you're like, oh, I was forced to eat pie. I'll text you back later. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. I see how I see how this I co-host mean, is. I
1: mean, I asked for permission. I asked for permission to go and record, but. My life said, "No, nope, you need to eat your pie." So yeah, yeah, kind of like that Simpsons where uh, Marge is like, "You know, everyone, you know, not until you finish your Sunday," and no one wants to finish their Sundays.
2: What's wrong with my Sundays? See, <laughs> you knew the reference. Of right? course, I know the reference. Let's just be real here, and let's talk about another reference here. And it's um, a Chicago sports team that is not playing as well as they were last year, but is still playing decently. But is definitely enough to keep me worried.
1: Yeah, it was nice to see the Bulls beat the Knicks the other night, and it, it's depressing that despite their success last year, that they're not playing on Christmas Day. But maybe for that, that's for the better because they've just really been a bad team this year, just below 500. I saw a rumor that Zach Levine wants to get traded to the Lakers, and at this point, I think the Bulls should blow it up. I, I, I felt that you know Levine and, and uh, Demar Derozan are great players, but I don't know if those are the type of guys that you want to build a team around as your top two guys. And I think one of them is probably going to have to go. I've been hearing about a rift in the locker room between those two particular players, and I think maybe they need to consider blowing it up and, and, and trying something new because like, let's face it, and this is going to be the same thing over and over kind of what, you know, what we were talking about with the White Sox, just why would you keep repeating the same process if it's not getting you to, you know, the the top of the mountain.
2: And I totally agree with you on that point here. But it's just, it's like we, you know, the Bulls did, uh, I forget how, like it was a, remember the off season, it's like, are they going to keep Levine or get rid of him here? And then just kind of see now he's like, I want to get traded here. It's like, man, it's like we fought so hard to keep this dude. And now here we just are. It's like, oh, right, we're kind of just throwing in the towel here. I mean, I'm not against the Bulls throwing in the towel, especially if, you know, the uh, results aren't there. And it's funny. The Bulls are also owned by another guy who just uh, the Bulls are also owned by a guy who, uh, God, he's kind of like the White Sox owner a little bit. He really doesn't want to spend a lot of money. Doesn't really want to give long contracts. I mean, I think they're both got the same first name, too. It's crazy. Don't name your kids Jerry. Right, Paul?
1: Yeah, and I think I think they know each other pretty well, almost a, a little too
2: well, if you ask me. I don't know if I've ever seen him in the same room before.
1: <laughs> Maybe you have. Maybe you just, uh, um, you know, uh, have really good glasses.
2: Maybe. As I've said, though, just I, I always talk about how the last dance was the prime example of just like how, you know, Jerry Reinsdorf is. He gets things that fall into his lap. But I don't I don't want to talk too much about Jerry Reinsdorf here as so we really got to stay on topic here. The Chicago Bulls just I, do you think this means that last year was a fluke or just everything kind of fell into place or what exactly then? Because other than ball being injured, what really has changed for this team this year?
1: I you know and I, I don't know and I'd be curious what Mercado and Josh Buckhalter thinks because they they look at this team in a, a closer lens than you and I probably do and and I think part of it is I think you know the, there's there's clearly no chemistry with this team and and you know we're hearing about the rumors in the locker room I think there was a, an incident last week where um, you know the coaches had to go in during halftime they were talking outside the locker room but they heard the players arguing inside. And then you know, it went back to was that it was DeRozan and Levine not getting along. So I, th- I think that's part of the problem. I, th- I think from last year to this year, it's always been an issue of who is the number one guy? Is it Levine or is it DeRozan? And I think everyone points to Levine has the talent, but DeRozan is the guy that's getting it done or getting the ball in his hands when it counts. You, know, you got the, the game winner the other night. If you remember a year ago, there was what i got the New Year's heave and the New Year's tray when he hit the two buzzer beaters in a row last year. I, I think, you know, it's time to move on from one of them. And the rumor that I heard, which would be really interesting, is trading Levine to the Lakers for Anthony Davis. But the problem is, is you're getting kind of a, an Austin-injured player, but I think the reason why that, that works out is Levine played at UCLA, wants to go back to Los Angeles, and Anthony Davis is from Chicago and probably would be happier in this environment, I think it's a big man that the Bulls could use. But then that, you know, what do you do with Vucevic at that point? So, you know, it's, it's, it's quite the mess. And at the same time, I don't know if I want to sit through another, you know, stage of the Bulls rebuilding or being at the bottom of the Eastern Conference for, for 2 on. But at the same time, I, I don't know if I want to stick with them struggling to get a uh, home court advantage in the playoffs and being a team that sits somewhere between the fifth seed and the 10th seed in the playoffs every year. So I think, I think it's time to time to get creative time to find something new. And, and I just, I can't figure out why it, you know, since Michael Jordan, it seems like free agents do not want to come and play for the Chicago Bulls. And I don't know if that's because of the stigma that they're always going to be compared to Jordan or if it's a toxic environment I just don't
2: know. And those are all very valid kind of points there, Paul. And, of course, these that trade just has Jerry Reinsdorf written all over right there. And just it's just it's just kind of sad right now here. And I think I'm with you. I mean, it might be time for the Bulls just kind of blow it up and do a little bit of a you know mini rebuild here. Like, you know, it was another Chicago White Sox team that a guy named Jerry should probably consider doing if things don't result here.
3: And it's just... I, mean, I
2: don't know if I'm
1: ready for another rebuild on the south side, but... But regardless of that, I,
2: I you know I'm a big
1: basketball fan when it comes to the University of Illinois fighting the Y&I, and, and they've been having a rough season as well. Uh, a lot of talent on that team, but they got completely embarrassed the other night against the University of Missouri in the Bragg and Rice game. And, and this is a team that is struggling to find a leader right now. It's, it's a team that... Is supposed to be an offensive threat, but they're just horrible at shooting right now. I think free throw shooting, they're shooting 62%, which ranks them 320th in the country. I mean, this is terrible. And then, of course, Coleman Hawkins is, is being looked to as the leader of his team, and I never really thought that he quite had the mentality to be that guy. I think he has a ton of talent, but I don't know... If he's if he's the guy that you can look to to really lead this team, considering that this is a team that had Ayodele Sumu just a couple of seasons ago, and Kofi Coburn last year, as well as some key uh, uh, seniors like Demonte Williams, who you know was dedicated to the program, uh, you know the son of Frank Williams, and you know uh, because of the uh, transfer portals and injuries and the COVID season had that extra year of eligibility, where he was kind of you know one of the elder statesmen in the game. Um, it, it's a team that's – I mean, you know, Brad Underwood is, is struggling right now coaching with the Lion-Eyes team, and, and I hope they can turn it around because Big Ten play is right around the corner, and they've already played two Big Ten, Big Ten games this year, and they're already 0-2 and at the bottom of the conference. And they've won the Big Ten the last couple of seasons, so there's high expectations and they're not meeting them. If this is a team that's not playing in the tournament in March – it's a total disaster considering the type of players that they have on this roster. And, and you know, I, I'm not going to go too far into the Illini, but I had to bring them up because they're just such a favorite team of mine. and They've just been struggling so hard this year. Uh, but I guess just basketball was not meant to be this winter in uh, the state of Illinois.
2: I was going to say, are there any good basketball teams in Illinois right now? Please, like we, we got like a uh, like little peewee league team or something that's undefeated that we can cheer for at this point. I'm sure, like Simeon or one of those high schools,
1: is probably dominating. As for people. someone has to win state this year in the the six classes or the eight, or what the four classes that uh, that they divide up to in, in basketball. But uh, you know, we'll cover high school basketball maybe a different day. I mean, I watched uh, I watched a little bit of that New York Knicks Philadelphia 76ers game, and as I was watching Jalen Brunson, it took me back to witnessing firsthand when he broke the state record back in 2014 for most points, scored in a playoff game. He put up 56 out of the team's 64 points when uh, Stevenson lost to Whitney Young back then. But that was so far ago that, you know, that doesn't matter right now. But it's Christmas, Devin. I think we should talk about things that have to do with Christmas, things that pertain to Christmas. You know, there's, there's been sports today. Surprisingly, the Packers beat the Miami Dolphins today, um, although that didn't affect my fantasy football uh uh, going up against one of our coworkers, uh, I think I'm going to be uh, in the championship final uh, against our uh, colleague Dylan. But uh, that's neither here nor there. Watching some of these basketball games have been interesting today. You know, we had LeBron versus Luka Doncic. We got some games on the schedule tonight. By the time people are listening to this, I think we'll be in the last game of the night. Uh, Tom Brady is going to be on tonight with uh, you know more NFL football action. It's um, you know all of your favorite athletes. Uh, playing on Christmas Day. It's really, really exciting. Um, but you know, Christmas music has always been something that comes up every year. You know, what's your favorite holiday song? You know what are your favorite holiday movies? I think we talked movies last year. That we did. But I wanted to know your opinion on what some of your favorite Christmas songs are.
2: Oh, some of my favorite Christmas songs. That's that's a little bit hard, as I'm not too crazy on the whole Christmas music sort of thing. Here, I mean, I can enjoy a little bit of Rudolph the Reindeer, uh, Dominic the Donkey, and even uh, the Jackson Five with "I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus," which as a kid I always thought was kind of a weird one. But as an adult, I'm like, oh, Daddy was probably dressed as Santa Claus here. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, that. That always. I, I had the same thought as you when I was a kid. It was
1: like, wait a minute, why is mommy kissing Santa Claus? But I think the the innocence of being a child and not totally understanding the meaning of Santa Claus and who he truly is.
2: Yeah. For um, the kids yeah. listening right now, we will not say more on that topic.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
2: What about you, Paulacious? Uh, what kiss what are you chilling enough, to I mean, around the house? What are some of the Christmas songs that you can't stand? Oh, I actually found a list here, and uh, it's kind of funny because. I went through Rolling Stones, top 100 Christmas songs. And uh, this little number was not anywhere on the damn list. You know this one, Paulacious. Oh yeah, Mariah Carey. (laughs) You you would think this would be number one, number two, number three. It's not in the top 10. It's not in the top 100 most hated Christmas songs of all damn time. Which makes sense because you hear it everywhere. But I thought for sure, like, this would be top 100,
1: here. Wait, this is the top 100 most hated Christmas songs. Yep,
2: based by Rolling Stones. And they are, and Miss Mariah Carey's not on there. But there is just one Christmas song that for years I have just, a, a little bit of a story, I should say. I worked at a bowling alley around Christmas time, and we had a nice little uh, segment of the same five almost four Christmas songs. And I what had to hear this song on repeat like 20 million times a day in syncs. Merry Christmas! Can oh, I? I can't. About that one. I can't. This is embedded into my brain as a song. I can. I, I'm gonna like wake up and having nightmares now just thinking about this Paulacious. So,
1: so I have to know: Is uh, Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time out there?
2: I'm only on the top 10 here on this list, but I do not see Paul McCartney. So let's just go through the top 10. I think that's fun, you know? So okay, no, okay. number 10 is NSYNC's Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays. I'm like, yep, that, that sounds about right. And then number nine, you want to take a guess, Paulatius? Oh, I have no idea. All right, I'll leave that. I'll make you guess, though, number one. Oh my cause uh, Grandma got ran over by a reindeer? You are so close. Number nine is Leanne Rimes' Carol of the Bells. I'm like, I didn't even know that. Like, And then number eight, we got The Killers with Don't Shoot Me Santa Claus, which I kind of enjoyed as a funny little story about if Santa just went BS crazy. I you know, I didn't even know The Killers had a Christmas song. They had one because, uh, I don't know, they made a really weird music video that took place in the desert. This came out when I was in like junior high, so that's probably the only reason I remember it.
1: Well, if I know the killers, they know how to commercialize. You know, with being in the desert, they're you know famously from Las Vegas, so I could understand that.
2: Yep. And number seven, Lou Monty's Dominic the Donkey, which I, I didn't I've even heard hear that before. You really? I it kind of came out of nowhere and just kind of you know randomly. Just I enjoyed it, but never really got big. Uh, you know, I was never on that twenty four seven Christmas station as often as some of the others. And then number six we got Santa baby, which I'm like, really? Like that's oh. that's hated and then that
1: with me um a little bit lower on this. I'm not surprised it was top one hundred, but gosh, number six, that's uh that's a really high position.
2: And number five is your good old grandma got run over by a reindeer Paulacious. I mean did, were you ever yeah, worried about your grandma funny. going I, outside I
1: when it came out I was really little when it came out and it was like a novelty but it's it's really worn off
2: really quickly it, it very much did but as a kid were you worried about your grandma going outside after that
1: <laughs> Not really <laughs>
2: yeah, I'm the only one
1: I always love that, um, you know you might not you might not believe in Santa, but as for me and Grandpa we believe I thought that was kind of a funny line.
2: I mean, they, they made a whole movie out of the song, so that should tell you something.
1: Yeah, and I think that's probably when it, like, went too far. That's probably when it jumped from cute little novelty song that everyone's going to forget about to, all right, now this is just too much to commercialize it. And
2: number four is Seth MacFarlane's cover of Baby It's Cold Outside. I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah,
1: I, I, I'd i forgotten about that. You know how Seth MacFarlane likes to be like a lounge singer, or like, you know, he likes that big band singing, so I could see that he's romanticized that song. Um, and, and, of course, there's the whole stigma of, you know, the, the controversy of that song because it sounds like that that man is trying to force the woman to stay with him, but it's kind of a misunderstanding That uh, the woman doesn't want to be known for uh, being the type of woman that, that stays at at. um You know, uh, men's houses for the night. You know, when she's a single woman,
2: especially back in the uh, era when that song came out. Then number three is Band-Aids. Do they know it's Christmas? And I'm like, I I can kind of see it. Yeah, I I can see that too. I I like
1: that song. I I think it's very 80s. I think that's kind of mean that it's so high up on the list because it was supposed to be for a good cause. Uh, You know, but I mean, it's the We Are the World of Christmas time, so. Um, I could see that it's one of those earworms that, that people just get sick of.
2: And then number two, "Happy Xmas" war is over. The Maroon Five cover, and it's like Adam Levine, just just stop ruining I songs. You're going to say John
1: Lennon? I was <laughs> like, that's a classic. How could that be up there that high? But yeah, I could see Maroon Five probably butchered that one.
2: If you are not John Lennon, you are not allowed to do that. I am sorry. And then we are at number. I agree. And now we fall to the number one, Paulacious. You want to take a stab? Think you know what this one is? Number
1: one most annoying Christmas
2: song. Ooh, that's hard. Um, I, I have no idea. I'm, I'm not loss. I I. It's another song that I know of the song. I never knew of this cover here. Ashley Simpson and Jessica Simpson covering The Little Drummer Boy. And just kind of oh. hear, hearing this right now, I'm like, you know what? I can see how this would be very just... Annoying and just kind of hard under, you know. Want and more importantly, why, why, why do they feel the need to do this? Uh, were were they ever were the Simpson sisters really like that special? I mean, we talk about Lisa and Maggie more than we talk about them.
1: Yeah, none of that. I, you know, I think Jessica Simpson really broke out the scene. She. She kind of belonged. I thought Ashley was kind of riding the coattails, and, and everything that Ashley Simpson has done that I've seen has just been a disaster. There was a, uh, of course, the, the infamous SNL performance where they played the wrong tape, and she like did like a jig and walked off stage, completely ruining the uh, the, the musical performance. And then there was like a, a college football championship from around that time where she performed at the halftime. And she was way off-key and terrible. And as soon as she got done, everyone booed her. Um, I feel bad just kind of trashing Ashley Simpson, especially on the holiday. But but I never really thought that she was uh, worthy of the stardom that her sister Jessica got. And, of course, we all know... um, Jessica Simpson wasn't really the sharpest tool in the uh, in the shed, uh, you know. With her whole the chicken of the sea is you know are the, is uh, tuna really chicken that they found in the ocean? Uh, but yeah, I mean, I could see if the Simpson sisters get together and cover a Christmas classic, then it probably is not going to go over well. That was um, that was a swing and a miss by whatever record producer or record executive thought that that was going to be a hit.
2: It really does kind of seem like a thing. I'm not sure when that came out. That might have been the time here, but I guess we're going to close out this segment with a little uh, better classic sort of Christmas song here, I think, Paulacious. Let's get the original version, Not not the Maroon 5 garbage. Well, Paul, it's been kind of rumor heavy in the MLB this week and also very kind of, you know, heavy in MLB this week. You know, as we were just talking before the show with the Mets and their whole crazy swoop of Carlos Correa. And now they have concerns about his physical. Yeah, it's just it's the most Mets contract they could give someone. Something about the Mets here on the south side. So many rumors about the Mets trying to trade for Liam Hendricks. And I'm like, I'm not against it. But what are we going to get from the Mets that they'd be willing to part with? Well, and that and James McCann, the former Met, getting traded to the Orioles. But he
3: had just five teams on his no-trade list, including the White Sox, where he used to
2: play. Wait, 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 wait. The Mets gave James McCann a no-trade clause. <laughs> yeah, apparently. Oh, oh, okay, that is, take, forget what I said about Korea. That is the most Mets contract
3: they could offer someone. But, of course, that's pre-Steve Cohen Mets. And we do need to talk about now that Steve Cohen owns the Mets and he's just throwing money away it's, it's crazy. I've seen people that are upset, Mets fans, that are upset that their owner is spending money lavishly. And it just boggles the mind because this is the one sport in the United States where there's no salary cap. You want your owners to spend gobs of money to try and get the best talent and put the best team on the field. And this is an owner that's willing to spend that money
2: and wants to win the championship at all costs. It boggles the mind. Now you say that, and right now in my mind, yeah, the Mets are a very big favorite to win the World Series here, but the last team I recall spending godloads of money and having no results is the 2012 Miami Marlins.
3: Yes, that was a little bit of a disaster, but you do raise a good point, Devin, that just because you spend money doesn't mean you're going to win the championship. And I think it's been a while since we've seen the team that spends the most money winning the championship, with the exception of the 2020 Dodgers, which... I know that it's the Pandemic World Series and it counts, but uh, it's still, you know, 60 game schedule, different playoff format. It's not in the same sort of formula as all of the other seasons, therefore it's an anomaly. But yeah, just because you spend money doesn't mean you get championships, but at the same time, you can get great players if you spend money, and it seems weird to me that there's a fan base that's been clamoring for a championship since 1986, and now they're mad at their
2: owner for spending money the Mets don't deserve Steve Cohen 86 the World Series win that literally went right between Boston's legs mm-hmm. no pun intended there but definitely just 86 the Mets <laughs> but just going back to it it also shows you have to spend some money unlike teams on the north and south side are really doing and I mean Dansby Swanson with the Cubs you know I mean a seven a year deal. a seven year contract were great with the last guy they signed from Atlanta Uh, Yeah, well, technically he was signed from St. Louis, but I get your point. Let me make my jokes, okay? (laughs) But, you know, going into this, uh, the report came out this morning, Paul. I don't know if you heard that the White Sox said they're looking to uh, work internally for the new second baseman.
3: Yeah, and they don't have a lot of options at that. It's what, Romy Gonzalez? I heard Sosa? Le- so yeah, Le- Lenin Sosa. I heard that uh, Leory Garcia is not an option and would go back to a bench role. Good. Well, wait, we were going to pay our bench player, what, 18, 15 million,
2: something like that? Yeah.
3: Well, it's, it breaks down, I think, average annual, va- annual value is like 5 million, but yeah. It's
2: still insane here. I mean, just what's next? Mankata on the bench, the highest bench player in MLB? Yeah. Bring up Jake Berger and start him at third base? I don't know. I, yeah, well, well, as it gets closer to spring training, we'll
3: talk about the debacle that is the White Sox infield. But we do know that they have Andrew Benintendi in the outfield. But we saw that Michael Conforto was actually signed by the Giants. Of course, the Giants needing to make moves after the deal for Carlos Correa fell through. Uh, Conforto was rumored to be going to the White Sox for a long time, ever since he uh, stepped away from the game. Um you know, he was a free agent in the offseason and during the season and was rumored to be going to the White Sox. But now that we know he's with the Giants, he won't be going there. Do the White Sox necessarily need another outfielder? I don't know. But I think any sort of reinforcements at this point would help. But really, it's all about second base. And unfortunately, Mike Mustakis has been DFA'd by the Reds. That would not be a good option for the White Sox. But I could see it's a aging veteran. Past his prime, uh, had a a successful season uh, in the
2: last five years. Screams White Sox to me. How much is his contract? If we know. Oh, it'll well. He's a free agent, so it'll be uh, whatever. Yeah, they can offer him a low price. He'll definitely be there. And that's we need. We need an older guy, an older veteran to teach these not so young players anymore the ropes of the game here. Yeah, Mustakis had uh, such a
3: bad season last year that I think he was a negative war um, when. He played, I'm looking up the stats right now, a negative one war last year. He played in 78 games, slashed 214, 295 on base, 345 slugging. That's a 640 OPS and an OPS plus of
2: 74. That bad. I think we could do better, Paul. We're not even athletes. Mm-hmm. I think so too. And it's just very much just, again, let's stop with the veterans, guys. Unless they're I don't want any veterans. I want someone who's not been in the league for like over 10 years at this point. I want something different, and I want some changes here. And, of course, we got to talk a little bit about the pick you thought the White Sox were going to take in Carlos Rodon.
3: Yeah, I, and that was for the sake of our, our fun little bet here, which I haven't been keeping track. Am I ahead or are you ahead? I think right you're right ahead, now? actually. Uh, and when I said Rod- Rodon coming back to the White Sox, that was kind of a little tongue-in-cheek. I didn't actually expect them to do it. But if they really wanted a serviceable starting pitcher, I thought maybe the relationship of drafting him... Sticking with him when he was struggling and watching his glow up in uh, 2021, where he became uh, the all-star caliber pitcher that they wanted him to be when they drafted him so high, um, they didn't they couldn't afford him. It was weird that they never gave him the qualifying offer last off season. He goes to the Giants, has a great season. I think led the National League in, in ERA, and they would have the White Sox would have had to pay a pretty penny in order to get him, which is why he ended up going to the Yankees. He wanted, I think, six or seven years. He got six or seven years. Um, The White Sox can't afford that. It would have been nice to see him. I don't know if I necessarily expected him to go to the Yankees. I would have thought Mets before Yankees at the beginning of our free agent thing. But the Yankees needed a pitcher, and I think they got their man, and they got a lefty. Now it's the hope that Can Rodon stay healthy, and by the end of the contract, will he still be even worth the money that they're paying him?
2: Well, don't worry; in seven years, he'll be traded to the White Sox off wa- or claimed from the White Sox off waivers. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, knowing this team. Yeah, that sounds about White Sox to me.
3: I wanted to look up who the leftover free agent second basemen were, and. Not much. It's not much. Yeah, it already wasn't much to begin with. We should talk about how Danny Mendick was actually signed to a contract by the Mets, so he's off the books. Of all And it was only a million dollars. I would have been okay with Danny Mendick because he had a decent season
2: last year before he got injured. Do you think uh, the Mets get offered Mendick a no-trade clause clause as well? (laughs) I think he's actually still on his rookie deal. Uh, Let's see.
3: Here's who you have uh, left so far. Dixon Machado, uh, Ryan Goins who actually I think was in the White Sox farm system a couple years ago, Josh Van Meter, Rugnet Ordor, Philip Goslin, Yolmer Sanchez,
2: and Alan Hansen. Let's get Machado just so we can tell people we finally got Machado. <laughs> Dixon Machado, wasn't he a former Cub? I don't care, he's got the name Machado, and that's someone we tried getting, what, th- uh, four years ago now? Oh, he's a former Giant, that's right.
3: Yeah, I I don't know. It's uh no, he is a former cub. I was right. Uh yeah, I uh, it's it, this is going to be bad. I mean, it it's everyone and their mother knows that the White Sox need a second baseman. The White Sox slept on the few decent second basemen that they have left. They're either going to have to sign someone to move them out of position or they're going to have to rearrange, you know, bring Moncada back into second base, which I don't think is an option. But I just have this terrible feeling that it's going to be about June and the White Sox are going to have the worst offensive numbers from the second base position. And that's going to be what they would have to address. And they're going to sit around going, well, gosh, if only we would have, if only we would have seen this coming.
2: Yeah. And it's going to depend if this team's over 500, they might try to trade for one of the trade deadline. If they're under 500. Uh, you can just forget about it. Let's be real here. This team ain't going to make any moves, but uh, you know, Oh, back in the day in Little League, I played second baseman. So, uh, White Sox, you want to throw some money my way? <laughs> I'm available. Devin Tingle for White Sox second baseman. I can't hit for crap, though. So, I mean, I'll be perfect on the team. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you field? Yes. Okay. I'd have a higher over uh, average than uh, Garcia.
3: I'd be they, great. Okay. <laughs> we really should talk about this Carlos Correa thing. let uh, complete the circle. He, he was... Uh, he was originally signed with the Giants, and, and it was a big contract. It was, uh, what, like, I think 13 years, $350 million. And then the Giants canceled the deal over concerns over his physical. What we're finding out is it has something to do with his surgically repaired lower right leg. Well, the Mets swoop in and they sign him to a 12-year, $315 million deal, only to find out right now as we're recording this this weekend that the Mets now have their concerns. Now, Carlos Correa is a great player. There's no denying that. Someone is going to love to have him. I think he has Scott Boris as his agent, though, which probably hurts any chances of signing him to, like, a one-year deal, a two-year deal. I mean, I would love to see a team sign him. And and the White Sox can't do it because they have no need for a shortstop right now. But I would love to see, to see a team uh, sign him to, like, a one- or two-year deal with like maybe thirty to forty million a year, because that way he gets paid, but no one's committing to him long term in case something arises, like a a serious injury that that hampers the rest of his career. But this is this you know we we saw in last year, last off season with the lockout and then the the collective bargaining agreement, just kind of the the labor negotiation or the the uh, the payment of these players, the compensation. And it seemed a little ridiculous going into it, but they were going to make sure that the the little guy in the totem pole got more. And of course, the the guys at the top of the totem pole are always going to get what the market dictates. But this offseason has been ridiculous in terms of spending. And it almost negates everything that the owners were fighting for last offseason when they were penny-pinching. We see that teams have money. We see that teams are willing to overpay for certain guys. The fact that a 40-year-old pitcher like Justin Verlander got the contract that he got with the Mets tells me that, that money is just uh, just no object for these owners. Two years, though. Two years, but either way, it's it's just ridiculous how... During the negotiation process last year, the owners were penny-pinching at every step of the way, only for this year to be just spending gobs and gobs of money on players that don't deserve that
2: much. Oh, well, bro, you got to understand, we're not giving them all this money you're at the top, bro. This money's going to get spread out over the course of years, and the more money we make, bro, the more we can probably pay them. That way, we won't be hurting so much, bro. So, I, I mean, there's, there's really not a lot of major free
3: agents left on the table, Looking at the list of top remaining free agents, it looks pretty sad. I think Trey Mancini's probably your best remaining. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just going to just pull out some names that stick out to me here, and you tell me what you think, Devin. Uh, catcher? Um, nobody. Gary Sanchez, maybe? How
2: old is he? 30. I thought he feels like he's been around longer.
3: Uh, well, I mean, he came up probably about five or six years ago with the Yankees. I, either way, that's, that'd be a disaster defensively. And, and I think the White Sox are trying to move. If, if the White Sox want an overrated offensive catcher that can't play defense, they should go after Yasmani. Oh, wait. They have Yasmani Grandal. Uh, as far as second baseman on the remaining list, Hanser El, uh, Alberto, Robinson Cano. Robbie Cano, Robbie okay. Cano, that would be a very White Sox. Move There's someone I'm yeah. like,
2: he's still playing. A
3: 40 year old Robinson Cano who struggled to make it with uh, the Padres last year. I think amongst
2: other teams. That's the DH we need. <laughs> Josh Harrison is still available. Yeah, that's like going back to your ex girlfriend. Uh, Cesar Hernandez is still available. Uh that's the ex girlfriend you kind of want to go back to, but I don't think she's gonna pick up your calls. That wasn't even like an ex girlfriend. That was like the ex mistress. That was your one night stand. Yeah, he your was one there night for a stand. Hot yeah, second. Uh, uh, Gene
3: Segura is still out there, but they're going to have to pay for him. Andrelton Simmons, Josh Van Meter, Jonathan VR, Tyler Wade, Chris Owings. I already said Rugi Odor. Yu Chang, I don't even know who that is. Maybe maybe that's the answer.
2: Go for someone nobody knows.
3: <laughs> Let's see, Yu Chang. How, how did this guy slip under my radar? Uh, he played in Taiwan.
2: His baseball reference page doesn't even load. That's his, a good sign. Uh, yeah, that's a good sign. Um, Maybe his lack of page loading will be uh, how he loads up to the plate. Oh, and apparently he's already on the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. Well, this list you found, Paul,
3: is garbage. Uh, no, free agent, according to Wikipedia. So here we go. That list you found is
2: accurate.
3: <laughs> but Yeah, I mean, you know, and then otherwise, for all of the other remaining free agents, not a lot of great players still remaining. So the White Sox, I think, slapped. I don't think they have the right. You know, they, they never built up the farm system to have the right guys to come up and f- fill the position. I'm looking at a t- at a team right now that probably is going to be under 500 because
2: I don't think they've improved from the team that left off 2022. All they did was really change the manager, get rid of one dead weight, or really one dead weight player in AJ Pollock, and need to find a second baseman. They're going to promote from within, and this team, I don't really know of any big prospects or good prospects they have. You know. The White Sox love to go on social media and be like, look at our prospects. I'm like, this team has prospects? They were ranked 30th out of 30 last year for their farm system. They have
3: not developed anybody. And and we've already talked about in past episodes how this team doesn't develop pitching. This team, really, when they had the top farm system, had to kind of piece it together through trades. And now they have really nobody that they're going—well, I shouldn't say nobody. If If this season turns out to be a disaster— with an expanded playoffs, and they're trading guys away, I think you're looking at another rebuild by the middle of the season. If things if things are going south this year, I think you're
2: looking at another rebuild. Yeah, they won't do another rebuild though. They'll do what the Cubs are doing. They're like it's not a rebuild. Rebuilds, and that's just not. I don't know. I, is that the way this team needs to go? And we should,
3: before we get into the Cubs, who do you think will have a better record right now? Looking at it right now, in 2023,
2: who will have the better record? The Cubs or the White Sox? I, I have to, like, legit think about this. I think it might be the Cubs. I think by, like, maybe a few games. Yeah. Nothing major. Yeah. Neither team will be playoff bound, if that's the case. The Cubs signed catcher Tucker Barnhart to a two-year deal. I don't know if that totally
3: replaces Wilson Contreras, uh... I mean, it's gonna be um Jan Gomes and Tucker Barnhart probably platooning in the in the catching position. I like the approach the approach the Cubs have. And now that we know what's going on with Carlos Correa, I'm thankful that the Cubs went after Dansby Swanson instead of Carlos Correa. I always thought that Dansby Swanson was a good move for them. Clearly the Cubs are are a few players away from being a championship quality team, but I like the approach versus what the White Sox have been doing because it seems like since 2020 the White Sox approach has been well we're good enough why isn't this working
2: what is that quote by like Einstein uh, not Einstein Addison it's like uh, like idiocracy or is like Oh the
3: uh, what was it like insanity Thank is you. repeating the same thing over and
2: over You're expecting different results yeah. I feel that is where this team is right now Exactly that's that's the Chicago White Sox
3: Well I'm burnt out talking about baseball I I just want to enjoy this holiday, and next week I want to take a look back and uh, look at some of the big stories from 2022 in the world of sports. We'll have Mercado back. We'll
2: talk about all those things next week. I'm going to wrap up the show here. Devin, do you got anything else to say? Um, Santa, please do something about the White Sox and uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. All right, for Devin Tingle, Dan Marver, Mike Mercado in sunny Florida.
3: I'm Paul Shivari freezing my took us off here in Illinois on the sports cubicle. WCpt 820 where facts matter. Santita starts your morning six o'clock. So long everybody. We'll see you next week. Paul.
2: Paul Paul, get your head out oh Paul head out of the oven oh, oh, oh. Christmas goose.